So Jesus, when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, it's not just the power who invokes these things. He is the resurrection and the life. He's not just the one who has power to do it. He is the very one to do it. He is the very one. Verse 26, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus didn't claim to have resurrection and life or understand secrets about resurrection and life. Instead, Jesus dramatically said that he is the resurrection and the life. To know Jesus is to know resurrection and life. To have Jesus is to have resurrection and life. Jesus boldly challenged Martha to trust that he was the source of eternal life. Jesus presented himself as the champion over death. While humanity in general fears death, the Christian only fears dying. The believer will never die, but simply make an instant transition from an old life to a new life. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Lord, this was not Paul's opinion. He received this by revelation that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or those who have died in Christ. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, with the trumpet of God. And notice, the dead in Christ, those from the New Testament up to currently, they will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive at that time, which could be today, hopefully, and remain will be caught up. The Greek word is harpazo. The Latin Vulgate says rapio. That's where we get our word rapture. You won't find the word rapture in the Bible because it's a Latin term. But the idea is that we will be violently changed in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. In the twinkling of an eye, our body will be changed after the dead in Christ have risen. It'll happen so quickly, it'll be like a twinkling of an eye. The dead in Christ will rise with an incorruptible body just like Jesus, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up and changed, transformed immediately, and taken to heaven with him. And you know what that's going to do to the world? (laughs) They're going to have a lot of problems. What happened? Why did several million people on the planet just go automatically? You think that's going to cause some social upheaval? You better believe it. But notice at Christ's second coming, that third red bullet or whatever on the side there, at the end of the tribulation period, simultaneous with the beginning of Jesus' thousand-year reign, we know as the millennial reign, that it's at this time that the great tribulation, I'm sorry, that 
at the end of the Great Tribulation period, the beginning of the millennial reign, the Old Testament saints who died in faith, and also those who were martyred during the tribulation period, they will also be resurrected. Look with me at Daniel. Let me just read it to you. It's, it's, it's on the screen there, but in Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the very last book of Daniel says this, And at that time Michael, who is an archangel, shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. That's important to know, because Daniel was a Jew, and Michael of the archangel is the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, the Jewish people. And notice what it says, And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people, Daniel, these Old Testament saints who believed in Jesus, they, notice, your people shall be delivered, every one who is found written in the book, the book of life. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Notice, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt. Didn't Jesus tell us that? Some will be for the resurrection of, of, of life and others resurrection of condemnation. The Old Testament saints at the end of that tribulation period, just simultaneous really with the thousand year reign, they will be resurrected at that time to inhabit that millennial reign here on this earth along with all of us because when the second coming comes, we will also come back already in our glorified bodies to the earth for that thousand-year reign because we will be raptured at the rapture. We will spend at least seven years with the Lord while he's pouring out his wrath on a world that has rejected him. But notice what it says in, Daniel, in the 13th verse of Daniel 12. But go your way, Daniel, till the end, for you shall rest. God's saying, you're going to die. You're going to die physically. You're going to rest. And you will arise to your inheritance at the end of your days. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? And what about the tribulation saints, those believers during that tribulation period? Yes, there will be people saved during the tribulation period, but it's going to be very difficult, very difficult. The church will have already been removed in our glorified bodies like Jesus for seven years. We will be with him in glory because he is not, we have not been appointed to wrath but to obtain salvation. That's why he's not going to drag his bride through his judgment on the earth. Does that make sense? Guys, would you drag your wife, your bride, through judgment? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't drag her. In Revelation 20, uh, verse 4 and 6, Paul, or John says, I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness of Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image. This is the Antichrist that is going to be revealed during that tribulation period. So those who did not receive the mark and worship the beast and had not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. They were resurrected. But the rest of the dead, the wicked dead, they did not live again until the thousand years were finished because at the end of the thousand years we have the great white throne judgment where unbelievers will be judged. And he said, "Blessed, this is the first resurrection. This is part of the first resurrection when those saints will be resurrected. Over such, the Bible says, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and notice and shall reign with him a thousand years. That's you and I. 
That's the Old Testament saints, the, the tribulation saints who, who got saved, but they lost their lives in the tribulation. We will all share the millennial reign with Christ in our new resurrected bodies, but a very different body than what Lazarus had. So Jesus, when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, it's not just the power who invokes these things. He is the resurrection and the life. He's not just the one who has power to do it. He is the very one to do it. He is the very one. Verse 26, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world and and um, let's just go on here to verse 28. And when he had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. And then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up and quickly went out, they followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. And then when Mary came where Jesus was and she saw him, notice she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And whenever you see Mary, Mary in the New Testament, this Mary of Bethany, she's at the feet of Jesus. In Luke chapter uh, 10, uh, and in John chapter 12, we always see her at the feet of Jesus, worshiping, listening to him. And Jesus said her part will never be taken away from her. So therefore, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit. This idea is, is to snort literally with anger. He was not real happy, but he was certainly, um, uh, and what was he angry and frustrated about? I think as he looked around at the Jews, their unbelief in him, that he was unable to, to raise Lazarus from the dead. He was able to do those things. And also, perhaps because he was seeing the effects of sin and rebellion and Satan's work and, and working so poignantly in the lives of these people. He groaned in his spirit and he said, Where have you laid him? And they said, Come and see. And the, very, the shortest verse in the Bible, in verse 35, Jesus wept. But he foreknew what was going to happen. And then he said to the Jews, Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, again, groaned in himself, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, it was a st- and a stone laid against it. And these limestone caves, they're, they're all over Israel, actually, and Jesus' tomb is very similar to this. It's actually uh, built in the limestone, and his, when you walk into that tomb, right on the right-hand side, you'll see two different slabs where the, there's actually three um, that people would go in when they, when they had died, they would lay their bodies there. And so this was a very similar thing for Lazarus. And so Jesus said, take away this stone. And Mary, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time, there's a stench. He's been in there for four days. But Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you could see the glory of God? And then he took away the stone from the place. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. 
But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you had sent me. And then when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. (laughs) There's a church father named Augustine who made this comment about this, and I think it's really interesting. He says, if Jesus didn't call Lazarus by name, then all the dead would have come out of the tombs. That would be like a holy blooper. But of course, God, Jesus knew that. He called him by name. Lazarus, come forth. And I, you know, I, I can just imagine him standing there and everyone's around in disbelief, but kind of wondering, is, is he really going to do this? Is he really able to do this? And Jesus had no issue And he says, Lazarus, come forth in a loud voice. And Lazarus came out, bound, and just enough where he could waddle out, right? And and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, just like Jesus. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. And then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, noticed they believed in him. So there was some fruit in this resurrection of Lazarus. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and had told them the things Jesus did. And then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council together and said, What shall we do? For this man works many miracles, many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him and we'll lose all of our money. Oh, wait, did I say that? We'll lose all of our prestige. And the Romans will come, and they'll take away our place in our nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and not not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he said, not on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one, the children of God who are scattered abroad. And guess what? That's you and I. Not just the Jews, but for the Gentiles. We would all be gathered into one. And what is that name of that group of people, Jews and Gentiles, together in Christ? It's the church, the ecclesia. Yes, that's us. Then, from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there in the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim. And there he remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near. This was the third Passover spoken of in John's Gospel, the very Passover that Jesus would also die. And many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. And then they sought Jesus and spoke to themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? that he will not come to the feast? Now both the, Jew, the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it and that they might seize him. That they might seize Jesus. Did you know they also wanted to put Lazarus to death as well? Isn't that interesting? God raises him from the dead and what, what, how does man respond? Out of jealousy and anger and rage? Put him to death again. And they wanted to kill Lazarus because he was guilty by association. Are you willing to be guilty by association in Jesus Christ? Are you willing for people to mock you? 
I don't know if you knew this, newsflash, but your, your faith in Christ is not really well received in the world. No one's going to pat you on the back for your walk with Christ. The world certainly is not going to do it. They're going to be against you. Now, does that mean that we go against them? No, we don't. We love them, right? Jesus loved them. So we don't respond in kind. That's what the world does. We mustn't respond in kind. Jesus said, blessed are those who persecute you. Blessed are you, excuse me, when those who persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. Blessed are you. And we enter into those sufferings of Christ that Paul spoke of. That's not an easy thing, is it? That's something we don't that's nothing we really wanted to sign up for. We wanted Jesus to do all the dying and then and, and everything and for us to just get off scot free. Well, he did do all the dying to preserve us, to save us eternally. That he did. But there's going to be some bumps and bruises along the way for us as too. It's called persecution. And it's it's important for us to really get close to the Lord because those days, folks, I believe, and I'm just warning you because I believe it's coming. If it hasn't already, it's already happening. But now is the time to make your calling and your election sure, to know that you're in the faith, to know that you're a believer in Christ. And if you don't know for sure, come up and pray with us. Pray with somebody next to you. If you've never been born again, then come up. We'd like to pray with you. Receive Christ into your heart. Don't delay. You don't, you don't have tomorrow. You don't have the opportunity of tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen today. We have no guarantees of tomorrow. And why live in jeopardy? Why live in jeopardy every day unless you're 100% sure? I know that I know that I know that I'm going to heaven. And it's not because of any performance that I have given. It is strictly on the merit of Christ. That is all. There's nothing good within me. I know that. And you know that. But we must come to him. He paid the price. It's a message we've heard and heard and heard. But listen, it's time to stop listening so much and respond to that message. Have you responded to that message of the gospel today? If you haven't, whether you're in earshot of this or online or Later, as this goes out on the radio, do not wait another moment. Don't wait another moment. Today is the day of salvation. And for those of us who have known him, draw near to him. Get closer to him than you've ever been. Start reading your Bible again and start carving out time because it is not going to happen by automatically. It's not going to happen by osmosis. You've got to be deliberate and you've got to be um, determined in this. Because you know as well as I do, life takes over and your time is shot. And then you get to your pillow at night and go, wow, I didn't even spend any time in the Word today. I didn't spend any time in prayer today, but I got all all my lists done. Folks, the greater thing, the most important thing, right now, more than ever before in the history of the world, do you understand that the Lord is wrapping things up very rapidly? Is anybody anybody aware and tuned to that? Are we in tune with it? It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. So what are you doing? What are you, are you, do you know Christ? Or are you drawing cl- closer to him? Or you think, ah, oh, it's just coincidence. You know, these things are happening. Hey, listen. The Bible's very clear. It's very clear. And now is the time. 
Do not wait another day. And I say that in the most loving way I can. You need to be born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, a very religious man, you've heard me say this before, Nicodemus, you've got all the things, you've got all your ducks in a row, you've got all your spiritual ducks in a row, at least you think you do, but you need to be born again because if, you don't, if you're not born again, you will not see or enter the kingdom of God. And the same is true for us. We will not see the kingdom of God. We will not enter the kingdom of God. We will not be saved unless the Spirit of God is in us, and that is there for the asking. All we have to do is confess our sin and say, God, would you please forgive me a sinner and take up residence in my heart, take up residence in my life, take all of me, consume me. Lord, change my life from what it's never been. I want Even now, even now, even though I know I'm born again, I'm going to ask God to save me again. I don't need to do that because I know I'm saved, but Lord, do it. If there's, any, if there's even a, a, a part in my little finger that's not redeemed, <laughs> save it. Save it. Save me, God. Cleanse me and heal me. Renew your spirit within me. Do you want that too? Even if you just want to restore, you have your, your, your life with him restored, would you stand with me? Stand. Let's stand. If you don't, then sit down. If you don't want that relationship with Christ to be ramped up, to be real, made real again, for him to infuse it into you again and just give you a fresh touch of God's Spirit, I need that. You need that. We need it now in the day that we live, folks. We have to be bold in love. And we have to know that we're his. Because if you don't know you're his, your your life is going to be like a... It's going to be like mercury all over the floor. It's just going to go. You're going to be scattered everywhere. You're not going to know what's happening, what you're doing. You're going to be frustrated, confused. But the Lord loves you. Let's pray that God would fill us. For those of us who don't know him, that today, right now, in your privacy of your heart, you'd say, God, save me. Let's do that. Father, we just pray this morning, Lord, that you would reach down from heaven right now. And for anyone in this room or anyone visiting online, Father, if there is any one of us that has been just thinking we're religious, thinking that we're okay, Lord. But we've never given our heart to Christ, Lord. Would you please come into our hearts? Would you please forgive us of all of our sin that we've committed? Every single sin, Lord, cleanse us in the blood of Jesus Christ from the cross. And Lord, we, we, we take it by faith. We believe that that is, is more than adequate to forgive us, to cleanse us from all of our sin, and then take up residence, Holy Spirit, in our hearts If we have not known you, Father, please save us. And Father, for those of us who do know you, God, would you please pour out your spirit in this day, God. Renew us and and transform us even again. Light us up again, Lord. Bring revival in the church. Bring revival in my life, God, and help me to be the marks of it, to be uh, love, Lord, not anger, But to be loved, Lord, do it, Lord. Do it today uh, for us, Lord. Fill us as often as you will. As often as you will, Lord, fill us. And draw near to us. We need you, Jesus. We are hopeless. We are helpless without you. And we ask that you do all of this, Lord. And would you answer the prayers of everyone in this room, including myself. In Jesus' name. Amen.
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.